morning everyone. Welcome back to Sew Organised Style Podcast. I'm Maria Theoharis or Velo Sews and today is Sew Over 50 Thursday with Carol Croker Ware. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Thank you for agreeing to be on the Sew Over 50 Thursday podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased that Judith was able to touch base with you so that you would give us the time to talk to you today. I have nothing but time. We have this pandemic going on right now, so uh, I'm just like everybody else. (laughs) Your family, you're all fairly safe, and are you working from home? Actually, I worked for a large convention center, and we have been told that they have canceled everything until the end of the year. So... I decided I'm going to go ahead and start looking for work probably in August. (laughs) August is good. (laughs) I guess August is good. And um, then I'll like really start actively looking. I've been putting my feelers out there just to see, but I'm actually an entrepreneur. So when I do get another job, it's usually just part-time. So... I'll be looking for something part-time to see what's out there. But right now, I'm enjoying this time off. We're staying safe. And I've been doing a lot of sewing. And I'm loving that. Because usually, I don't get a lot of sewing in. Or I may, you know, get a few hours in at night. Maybe one or two hours in. And then I have to do, you know, my regular scheduled day. And get ready for work and all of that stuff. So now, though, it's just been straight sewing. And I'm just, like, in heaven. (laughs) That's so good to hear. And it is a really good way of using this time to do the creative stuff that you've been wanting to do for so long. Yes, it definitely is. A lot of times when I come home from work, it's literally, you know, the regular cook dinner, answer of 50 million questions, check on the, you know, the family business, close out my work day, you know, And then, like I said, when it quiets down, then I'll get a couple of hours in and then it's time to go to bed and just start all over So (laughs) efficient. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for providing all the details that you did about yourself. I always find it really fascinating that Mm -hmm. you think that, you know, there's these 20,000 people who are following Sober 50, but everyone has a story to tell and everyone's got a history behind them. Where would you like to start with your history? Oh, boy. Uh, We can start from the beginning. Actually, my sewing journey is actually kind of interesting. At the ripe age of 11, I had, like everybody else, so I had home deck at school. 
And that's when I was first introduced to a sewing machine. So we had to do hand sewing. We created oh. a pillow. And I still have my pillow from the sixth grade here. Uh, yeah, I still have it. It's, it's up here in the corner of my sewing room. I don't like to touch it because I'm afraid it may fall apart. It's so old. That's, that's part of your history and it's important, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I learned how to do an embroidery chain stitch and some other embroidery stitches. And I absolutely loved it. I was the one in the class that just passed everybody up with the sewing and with everything. So I've always had a love for it. So I have a lot of siblings and my mom was like, well, we can't get a sewing machine. So I'm like, okay. And then life goes on. I joined the band. So that totally cut out sewing electives in high school and later on in middle school. So I admired people that sewed always. Yeah. And when Nancy Zeman and B. Smith and some of the other ladies used to have shows that come on PBS, when I was like 16, 17, I used to watch these shows. And it was, you know, I didn't have much to do, nothing else to do, but Nancy Zeman was so captivating to me. And I didn't miss her show. I didn't have a sewing machine. I wasn't sewing my hand. I just watched her show just like people would watch soap opera. She was somebody that I tuned into. So like I said, I admired people that sewed and I wanted to talk to them about how did they learn. And I had a couple friends in high school that sewed, but they never really wanted to, to share. It was almost like they didn't want to talk about it. Oh, okay. So I never, yeah, it was kind of interesting. So I never really did anything about it. Then I have a brother that's 12 years younger than I am. So when he came along, all of us were grown. So you know, he got to get the sewing machine and this and that, you know, when he took home back in school. So I told my mom, I said, you know what? I'm going to get that old sewing machine out of the closet and I'm going to start sewing with it. And she's like, yeah, right. I was like, no, really, I am. I said, are you going to learn with me? She was like, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. So then I, you know, I got the sewing machine out. I went to the store. It was so full fabrics at the time. And I always loved to go with her to the sewing store whenever she would buy uh, needles and yes. thread to hand sew buttons. My mom did a lot of hand sewing since there were so many of us. She would hand mend our clothes. So when she would go to the fabric stores, I would go with her. I just loved the smell. Mm -hmm. All the colors were everywhere. So something about the fabric store I really loved. And again, I still wasn't sewing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well... I'm going to give it a try. So I went to the store and bought all of this stuff. And then, you know, men happened and chasing guys and <laughs> men happened and my 20s and happened, you know, and I was, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing this sewing thing. I don't have time. I got to be at the club. I got to be chasing guys, you know. So I had a very colorful single life. So after I got married and yeah, fast forward years later, I got married in my 30s. and I had my son. And when he was just a baby, you know, I, I, I was just kind of like, you know, going to the store every day, buying him outfits. And my husband would come home and be like, would you buy the boy today? <laughs> okay, well, I bought him this and I bought him that, you know. So I was just like, man, if I had a girl, I would probably be making her all kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had already discovered that I had the craft bug because I used to do counted cross stitch. Yep on the train to commute back and forth to work. And that was very relaxing to me. I used to make all kind of crafts and things for my nieces mm -hmm. and my nephews. Always did that kind of stuff. 
So I got laid off of my job. Casey was just a baby. He was a few months old. My, my husband was like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go back to work? Or are you going to stay home with the baby? Because my husband was staying home with my child and I was coming home and my yeah. child didn't want to put pants on and he didn't want to get dressed and washed <laughs> up. And I'm like, what are you doing when I'm gone? So I said, you know what? I'll take a year or two off. Yeah. Stay home with Casey, and then, you know, we'll go ahead and do whatever. So I I was like, you know what? I'm going to get that sewing machine out, and I'm going to make my baby an Elmo robe. So this is like my focus now. We went to the store. We bought Elmo fabric, and he was not quite a toddler yet. Okay. He was probably about nine months old. So when he saw the Elmo fabric, his face lit up. Oh, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I brought Elmo home and I bought a pattern. Yeah. I cut everything out. Elmo was upside down on the whole robe. I don't even know how I managed <laughs> to get that thing sewn together. It didn't even have a collar. The collar was just unfinished because it was fleece. I took some scissors and cut it real neat. Good. So my husband was like, Elmo's upside down. <laughs> he said, she said, just make sure if, if you take him somewhere, just don't take that robe. And I just laughed. I said, and but when my son would look at it, Elmo was looking at him. That's right. So he was ex right. He was ecstatic about looking down and seeing Elmo. You know, he had the Elmo house slippers. So as he started walking, I told my husband, I said, you know what, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try some other stuff. I don't know. Uh -huh. And my husband was like, you should take a class. So I went to Joanne Fabrics and they were giving sewing classes. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be doing nothing. I'm laid off. Mm -hmm. Let me just get in one of these classes and see how it goes. After my first session, I was absolutely hooked. Oh, great. Just hooked. I had my stuff ready for class, sitting by the door. Everything that I would take with me, I was just in class like, oh my goodness, this is the best thing since sliced bread on those days <laughs> did you get up early yes <laughs> and i don't normally get up early on the days that i'm off i'm a, I'm a sleeper i like yeah. to sleep in i've always been a night owl stay up late oh no i would go to bed early on monday and then on tuesday i would get everything done that i needed to get done so yeah. when it was time for me to go to class that's all i would focus on so when i would come back i would just tell my husband how excited I was. And he was just like, okay. So <laughs> I, I would set everything up. And at that time I was sewing in the kitchen and I would feed Casey. And then after I would feed him, it would be playtime. In his playtime, I would have time to sew. Mm -hmm. And then I could see him in the uh, family room and I would have like Barney or something on to kind of keep him entertained. Right. And then that's when I was learning. So most people sew for their daughters. I had my son. So he, he's been my muse for, he's 20 now. So he's mm -hmm. been my muse for 20 years. So I used to make him all kind of outfits with little basketballs and footballs. And mm -hmm. I think I bought every stitch of dragon fabric there is <laughs> to even, <laughs> and Pokemon and, you know, anime and you name it. I've owned a piece of that fabric. Now his, he has two outfits that I've made him that were probably the top outfits was 
his prom, of course, that made him a tuxedo for his prom oh. when he graduated high school two yeah. years ago. And then when he was five, he had a assembly at school and I made him a Pokemon bow tie and cummerbund to match. Oh. And what the teacher told me, one of the boys tried to take the bow tie like right off of his neck. And so he was like, no, no. And the boy was like pulling at it. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. She said, no, that's okay. We had, we had calmed the little boy down and told him he can't have it. It's not yours. So uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a big hit with this, this Pokemon bow tie and a cummerbund. And so those have probably been the best two outfits, you know, that yeah. got him a whole lot of talk. But I've always made his Halloween costumes mm-hmm. throughout the years in like basketball banquets. I'd make his outfit because he'd like to dress up. So I would make him outfit for basketball. And so when it came to me learning how to sew menswear and focusing on tailoring, it was something that I was already accustomed to. Yeah, you're already doing it. Yeah, people in the class were like, you know how to do this stuff? I'm like, well, I have a son, and Mm -hmm. that's who I sold for. Just like most people have daughters, they make frilly dresses and things like that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that I was used to making. So yeah, that's how it started for me. I've always had the interest, but I didn't get involved into it until it was literally the end of 2000. Mm -hmm. is when I started. And since 2000, since my Elmo robe, I have been sewing literally nonstop. You know, some people say, oh, I took a break and raised my family. Not for me. I've been sewing literally nonstop. (laughs) I can't imagine not sewing. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, I yeah, a day doesn't go by when you don't actually pick up some fabric or look at a pattern. Yeah, I totally understand that. Exactly. And it's even when, like, when my sojo is completely gone, mm-hmm. I'm still puttering around, cleaning up, rearranging, reading a sewing book, ordering something online. So it's actually sitting at the sewing machine mm-hmm. and finding that, you know, that energy to actually sew may be gone, but I may hand mend something or do some hand stitching. It never stopped. I just, like I said, I can't imagine not being able to sew because it is, it is definitely my therapy. Yeah. And uh, it's calming for me. It keeps my, my brain exercising you know it's it's good brain exercise and keeps me thinking so but I really enjoy it and I am in the position now where I've got so many years under my belt and I've done so much now that I can take some of my knowledge and push it back out to the community so that's actually what I'm doing now and that's where you're Facebook group comes into it where you're providing your knowledge that way and also through your YouTube. Exactly. Through my YouTube and then too in my stories I try to of course keep them interesting but every now and then if I'm doing something interesting I'll throw in a tip and with me how I share my tips is if I'm doing a project then it comes to mind. So I'm not the person that if you say oh can you give us a tip, you know, every Tuesday? Mm. 
I tried that. And then I was just like, you know, after a few Tuesdays, I'm like, mm, I know it's up there somewhere, <laughs> but I find that when I'm working on a project and I do a technique that I know that maybe somebody that's a beginner or even an intermediate sewer may not know about or may not do, mm. then I'll go ahead and I'll share that. And those are, are priceless to the, you know, people that are in my group and the people that I share them with. So I call them, uh, at first I was taking pictures and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do some quick videos and hmm. make sure that they last about a second or two. So I call them quick video tips or QVTs. I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> when I had a look at your YouTube, yeah, you're talking about QVTs and I thought, hmm, yes, now I know what that means. And <laughs> look, the way you've done them and the way you've manage to provide those tips really makes sense because when you're on the project that you're working on that's the perfect time to give those tips out it is because that's when they're fresh in your head mm -hmm. and you have everything you need like if I need to add waistband interfacing or stabilizer it's right there because I'm actually building that project so that's usually when I share so sometimes the people in the group will be like are you making anything yet <laughs> We need a QVT. I'm like, all right, all right. Well, I'm going to be sewing this and I'm going to be making that. So as the QVTs come and things come to my brain, I make sure I'll share them. So yeah, that's how yeah. that came about because I was getting really tired of taking pictures and uploading yeah. stuff. So I'm like, it's easier to just do a quick 40 second video or a minute video and then share what I'm doing. And yeah. so now everybody has kind of gotten used to this QVT thing. It's hilarious when people request them. <laughs> Carol, give me a QVT now. Right. I need a QVT We fix. need a QVT. Could you, we need a QVT for this. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting ready to make one of those. So I don't know what, you know, what do you need? And then some people will come with some things that are not so involved or I'm like okay like there's right now in my sewing community there is a yep. question floating around one of the members asked I have this jersey fabric do you have any tips or tricks about how to fold it and you know jersey likes to ripple and it likes okay. to stick together hmm. and I know I did one because I had a fabric that was not only a spandex jersey, it was sticky and it was spongy. So I was like, I'll find it, I'll find it. I, I couldn't find it. So I know I did one because my whole jersey trick is to lay it down folded and it doesn't matter how many ripples you have in it, but then when you get on one side and you just tap it just like that and get some air yeah. underneath it, yeah. then it just, it just lays so nicely. It just kind of, it lays on its own. Yeah. When you get air underneath it, you just have to know how to flip it just so. So my QVT will be showing them how to flip it. <laughs> so that the fabric relaxes. Right. And you'll see the fabric ripple and it'll just kind of find the grain and it'll just lay really nicely. Then you can go ahead and you can start cutting. But I, you know what? It, it's funny how much I've retained over the years. And that's what the QVTs never cease to amaze me. I'm like, wow, I know a lot of stuff. <laughs> and all of these books here, I've read them literally from cover to cover several times. 
So I know where to open a book exactly to answer a question or books that I recommend to people, but I'm a plethora of knowledge. And that's a, that's a nice thing. <laughs> it is. I mean, it is for us because we're the ones who are looking at your QVTs. And I have a question. Okay. So with, with all the knowledge that you've got, what way do you prefer to learn your sewing skills? So you've got the books and you've done some courses. What's your preferred method of learning your sewing skills? Probably my preferred method is reading. Mm -hmm. And I think that has something to do with my trade or my life skill is a computer engineer. And when I broke into the computer world, it was all about manuals and reading and, and documenting and writing. And, and literally, when I first started, I'd open a computer manual, and two seconds later, I'd be asleep like this. The oh. book open just, they used to just put me to sleep. So a mm -hmm. friend of mine was like, you need to learn how to read again. So I was like, well, what do you mean? And she used to ride the train with me and she would get mad at me because she would be reading a book and I would be elbowing her and asking her questions. And she's like, look, I'm going to bring you a book, read it. And it was literally like a slasher book, blood, guts. and But I was just like, whoa, I think it was the first book I ever read that I did not take a nap. <laughs> and so I started reading these books and these thriller novels and real mm -hmm. thick ones. And I got into Stephen King and, mm -hmm. and I actually taught myself how to read and comprehend on a level that when I started reading technical books, didn't make sense to me. They were easy to understand and I was learning from them. So mm -hmm. when it came to sewing, yeah. we had, when I was first learning, we had the instructor in the class who was there to answer questions, but I was like, 100% focused on the instructions because they made sense to me. Pictures, the instructions and everything, they never confused me. And I see some people now talking about Berta patterns. I can't read those patterns and what the heck are they talking about? And I'm like, well, maybe they never done the ones that I did because I didn't have any problems reading them. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the way that I learn is definitely reading. I can be visual, you know, if somebody wants to show me something yep. and I usually have to see it twice. And when I see it the second time, I'm taking notes because I have to have something to read going forward or something to have as a reference. If you can see in my little junk pile here, I have tons of notebooks. I'm a, I'm a note taker. I just have to read. I have to read it. If I read it, then it makes sense to me. Yep. But the visual thing I can do, but with me, you're going to have to do it twice. <laughs> you can't just, you know, some people say, well, I just need to see it once and I'm good. No, nah, I got to see it two times. <laughs> and then that confirms it in your mind. Yeah. I, yeah. But I'm probably, I'm, I'm definitely a reader as far as learning sewing techniques. So I can read these books and retain the methods and the tricks and how to do, you know, one thing that I, that I pride myself on is I know how to do a sewing technique at least twice. Mm -hmm. There's like two ways to do anything and everything. So, and I read one person does it this way then I read someone else's book and they do it another way. 
and, and, and there may even be a third way. Mm -hmm. So I find the way that works best for me and that's what I use. And if I see another technique in a set of instructions, yeah. It's not foreign to me because I've seen it before. And knowing more than one way of doing something allows you to apply it to various projects because there are so many variables when we're sewing. Yes, and different techniques will add to cutting down on the time mm -hmm. of how long something is done. It's kind of like one technique will be married into the next one, so it kind of flows smoothly. So it depends on what you're making, what technique is introduced to you in the pattern instructions, yeah. and when it's time to use it. Because I, I see that, just for example, when you some pants are made where the inner leg seam and the outer leg seam are sewn on both legs. Yep. One is flipped and stuffed inside the other. Yes. Or you have the inner leg seam and then you have the crotch seam done. Yep. And before you sew the outside legs. Yes. So depending on if there's a zipper in the back or the type of pants that you're working on, different techniques are better to get through that process for that particular pair. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely an instruction reader and I hear people say, well, you know, I just glance at the instructions and I don't glance at instructions because I'm a stickler for technique and neatness. And I think that is my own personal, let me see, what do you call it? Devil, so to speak. Because I, when I see my seams are a little on the crooked side or something's just not right, it literally drives me bananas. And I can't mm -hmm. relax until I fix that. But um, following the instructions and knowing what's coming is something that I need to know. Every pattern that I get, I don't care how simple it is, I don't care how difficult it is, I will read the instructions. You know, if I sit down, you know, yep. with my husband and we watch TV and the commercials come on, I'll read the instructions just like it's a novel. <laughs> Before I even get fabric or even start the project, I will read through all of the instructions. And then I'll put them back and put it in my drawer. And then when it's time for me to make this pattern, literally two, three years later, I know that I've read it and I know what to expect out of this pattern. So when I do sit down and sew it, mm -hmm. there's not anything new that I'm coming up on and it's not going to take me a long time to finish. But I just, I don't know, I just like reading patterns. Something about the way they smell just makes me happy. <laughs> the smell and the detail. Yeah. <laughs> right, the detail. That's what we're talking about. This makes me very happy. Carol, you've told us about your Facebook group and you've told us about your YouTube channel. In what other ways are you contributing to the sewing community? Okay, the way that I'm contributing to the sewing community, other than sharing my knowledge, is definitely through Black Makers Matter. I was reached out to join the group and I'm an all-night sewer, and I woke up one day, and there was a message on my phone saying, please call me, and I would love to talk to you about a coalition I'm starting, and this was from Monica mm -hmm. uh, Manio Tete from That's So Monica, 
I text her back. I said, whatever you need, I'm good. Include me, I'm in 100%. So when I found out about the movement of including diversity within the sewing community, the maker community, really, so yeah. we're talking about sewers, quilters, shoemakers, dressmakers, artists, anybody that is under the maker category, mm -hmm. knitters, crocheters, we want to see diversity within the community. Because unfortunately, in the days to pass, you see a lot of women that were not of color, not only Black women, but we're talking about Asian women, Hispanic women, yeah you know, Indian women, just people of color, you wouldn't see that in social media, on the ads and the magazines that you pick up. And, you know, that was beginning to be an issue. Hmm. So she asked me if I wanted to be a part of the group. And I said, sure. I said, but you know, I don't have a lot of followers in social media. She's like, no, but the people that follow me are people that are influencers or that have large followings. And it's because I've been sewing for so many years. So I get people, the people that were following me were not only engaging, but they were really wanting to learn how to sew. And I've been a, a Janome user for 15 years. And I tell you what, I don't know how much money I have spent over the past recommending saw machines, yeah. recommending this here and this and this, hmm. you know, and then when I reach out to companies and then they don't answer me back and I'm like, they really don't know how much money I'm sending them. Hmm. So it was important to me, you know, not only just in the sewing community, but being a sewist and a tailor for so long and not being recognized for the work that I've done you know, only by a little bitty tiny group. Mm -hmm. So it was important for me to speak up. And I'm happy to say that Janome has heard my cry and they've acknowledged what I've done. Just acknowledged, you know, that I'm out there. Acknowledge that we are out here as quilters, as fashion sewers and bloggers and crocheters and knitters and, you know, help the young ones that are coming up, I've taught young kids how to sew, you know, and they need scholarship money and they yeah. want to be fashion designers. So that's what our movement is about, including diversity in our community, you know, in the sewing world, in the quilting world, in the crochet and knit world, you know, just so we know, you know, when I go spend my dollars, hmm. I can go to the store and or open up a magazine and see somebody that looks like me and say, oh, okay, well, it's actually okay for me to buy this because she's using it. Yeah. And, and that's all we do pretty much. You know, when you see the ketchup commercial and you see the pretty girl eating ketchup, you're like, ooh, okay, well, I'm going to go buy some of that ketchup. You know, what's in it? <laughs> it's the same with threads. And, you know, if somebody sees me on a a cover of a magazine or in a commercial and I got, you know, my fun hair and my curls and I'm sewing and using things and they know my history and they're going to want to do it too. And that's how I've been able to influence people in the past. So she's like, 
join us, please. And I said, hey, I, you know, if my voice is what you need to help this coalition, I'll be glad. And we're actually making some good strides. And that's what I'm really happy with. Some companies are actually taking heed and listening to, you know, what we have to say. And that's so important. It's so important everywhere. And I'm, I'm actually tickled that this is kind of becoming a global movement. It's mm-hmm. not just here in the USA. We've had people reach out from the UK, from Australia, yes. and from other parts of the world. So it's exciting. It is. It's exciting to see the change. And it's exciting to see that people want to change. Although there are still, of course, some people that are fighting it. But we're getting a lot of companies that are like, what can we do? And I, that's wonderful. Yep. That is absolutely wonderful. It's refreshing to see that, mm-hmm. you know, the steps that are being taken are being noticed and are being actioned. When did you start getting involved with the Sober 50 community? Can you remember when you first started? <laughs> the Sober 50 community, I've been involved with them probably for about a year. Mm-hmm. And it was probably a few months after they really started heavily posting or when they really started. Because I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And then I said, you know, a lot of people don't know how old I am. Some people think I'm less than 50, which is nice. So, and I'm like, you know, I told my husband, I said, there's a group called So Over 50. You just hashtag them. And my husband knows nothing about hashtags. I'm like, "You, you tag them and then you show up you know, and they, sometimes they feature you. And I said, and I, they've already showed me on their site a couple of times. So I love Sandy and the crew. Those guys are great. But it's so funny because I have gotten a few, Miss Carol, you're, I saw you in the Saw Over 50 thread. Are you 50? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be 55 in September. So I'm, I'm double nickels coming up in a couple months. <laughs> Well done. So yeah, yeah, it revealed my age, but I wasn't worried about it. I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been around for a little while. Yeah. Age is just a number, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It show, well, you know what? It does show how long you've been here. And luckily, I don't have the wrinkle thing happening, not just yet. I know it's coming. <laughs> That's down the track. We won't think about it right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> have a little bit of time just a little bit more I have a few more years to you know put the moisturizer on and the, <laughs> the makeup and you know to be good so we'll see what happens but I I love the way they feature the 50 pluses I love it I mean what can you ask for and and it's always their their postings are always diverse yes women all over the world and it's it's just fun and they're they're not just posting they are posting challenges and things that people are making she made this because of this or she's helping this people she you know yeah it's more than just fashion posting it's information and me being an avid reader about sewing stuff it's wonderful it's information so i was like really not last night, but the night before last, I was supposed to be sewing my shorts. I ended up playing Candy Crush. And I was on the Sew 50 feed, yeah. on a thread, in Instagram, looking at everybody. And I'm like, wow, she's amazing. So I was like liking everybody. <laughs> I was like on a Sew 50 kick the other day. 
And I'm like, you know what, let me let me get off of here. And then I looked at my clock and it was almost four o'clock. I'm like, ah, I'm going to bed. But yeah, I was on the feed because I had been on in a while where I'm just going through the pages and reading everything and reading everything. So I actually did that the other day. And there was one lady, I can't remember her name, but she had on like a, a true bias jumpsuit. It was black linen and it was the cutest thing. And another one of the ladies had on like a turquoise. And I was like, yay! You know, I was just getting so excited watching <laughs> these women. I'm like, yay! They're all my age, you know? And that's the part that I like. Everybody's my age, you know, and, and that's a good thing. Yeah, so that's exciting. They showcase people over 50. They are doing this on their own bat. They're all volunteers, and they're actually making strides in making sure that people over 50 are considered and featured. And they're asking, like, you know, show us if you're making something, let us know if the pattern, the lady on the pattern is over 50. Yes. I think that's even cool. And I actually have a couple projects set aside where the um, ladies on the pattern envelope are over 50. And when I get ready to make the garment, I'm definitely going to tag it out. So, oh, yeah, they got me on the, the lamb. See, I love it when people challenge me to do stuff mm-hmm. like that it makes the sewing that much more fun. It does. Yeah. I'll be looking out for that. Something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Look out for that. It's coming. <laughs> it's got to get a little, it's, it's got to it's get a little cooler here because the projects are heavy cardigans, like a heavy cardigan. And I got some beautiful red faux suede and mm. <laughs> that's definitely on the to-do list. Sounds yummy. <laughs> Very. <laughs> Carol, thank you so much for being on So Over 50 Thursday on So Organized Style Podcast. It's been great and it's so lovely to see that with all the skills that you've got with saying that you're giving to the community both on your YouTube, through your Facebook group and on the Black Makers Matter Coalition. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it and uh, I'm out there. Keep watching for all the fun stuff that I am involved in and my fun Instagram stories. Everybody seems to like those, so I'm going to keep up that. And uh, I got a big so along happening in my group, uh, and everybody's looking forward to that. That's starting next week. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep giving back. That's what I do. Thanks, Carol. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thank you again to Carol for sharing your sewing story. Carol consistently shares her sewing skills through her Facebook group, her YouTube tutorials, as a member of the Black Makers Matter Collective, and with her involvement in the Sew Over 50 community. So, Organized Doll Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Carol. Sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organized Doll Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox, and Libsyn, our podcast distributor. Post any questions or podcast suggestions on our podcast Instagram account or our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.